This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 7. Did the resurrection really happen? Now, I know I give this reminder every episode, but it's important. We're still in the realm of dealing with things not from a supernatural perspective. That is, we're not yet at the point where we can say, since we believe scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it is inerrant, and therefore we believe what's contained therein. That's certainly what we believe, but in this realm of apologetics, we're dealing with scripture, or in particular the gospels here, not as inspired scripture, which they are, but we're treating them as historical documents. And so the question, did Jesus really rise from the dead, is an important one from a historical perspective, because as we said in the last episode, uh, the Christian faith is based on whether or not certain historical events occurred, the resurrection being the most important for our faith in eternal life for our faith in salvation through Jesus Christ. So in the last episode, we established that the Gospels are reliable as historical documents, and so now we get to particulars. Did something as amazing as the resurrection really happen? Did it really happen in history? Can we trust that what the Gospels say about this and, you know, other miracles of Christ, did they really happen? Now, to repeat myself, there are certain scholars that come at this with a particular set of beliefs already. There are those who will say, obviously the resurrection didn't happen because supernatural things can't happen. Well, the very question here is, did something supernatural happen in history and was it witnessed by many people and therefore we can believe that supernatural things do happen? You can't beg the question and say, the Gospels are false because they contain supernatural things and supernatural things can't happen or miracles can't happen. There are certain critics that come at it in that way and we'll see here in a little bit that the explanations they give to some overwhelmingly clear historical events are pretty ridiculous explanations because they're trying to find any other explanation than what happens to be the most rational and commonsensical one, especially in this case of Christ's resurrection. So if you're a Christian... And a fellow Christian tells you that, you know, whether or not the resurrection actually happened is not an important point. It's just, it's symbolic of new life. Uh, You need to immediately correct them because they are as wrong as you could be about the heart of the faith. Who cares if there's symbolism in new life if we don't really have new life to hope for? Kind of silly, vacuous, and inane emotivism. So if anyone thinks that the resurrection didn't happen and that that's not a big deal... You need to tell them what St. Paul told all of us. Hey, if this didn't actually happen, then your faith is totally pointless. Or to put it another way, in the words of uh, Flannery O'Connor talking about the Eucharist, if it's all just a symbol, to hell with it. So how do we go about proving that this is a real historical event, that Jesus Christ really rose bodily from the dead, not just in some spiritual sense and not in some symbolic sense? Well, following the scholarship of Dr. William Lane Craig, whom we've mentioned before, and Dr. Peter Kraft, a Catholic philosopher, 
You might be surprised to know that in the realm of New Testament critics, and recognize that there's many atheists, agnostic, and other non-believers uh, within the realm of New Testament critics that just treat the New Testament as a normal text. There's actually an overwhelming consensus on a number of things, four things in particular that both Kreeft and William Lane Craig list as historical facts that the overwhelming majority of mainstream New Testament critics agree on as historically true, things that the historical events that actually happened. The first fact is that after his crucifixion, Jesus was buried in a tomb by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And we know he was among the Pharisees who somewhat secretly was a disciple of Jesus. The second fact is that on the Sunday following the resurrection, Jesus's tomb was found empty by a group of his women followers. The third fact is that on multiple occasions and under various circumstances, different individuals and groups of people were said to have experienced appearances of Jesus alive from the dead. And the fourth fact is the original disciples believed that Jesus was risen from the dead despite their having every predisposition to the contrary. So those are the four facts. He was buried in a tomb. On the Sunday after his crucifixion, his tomb was found empty by a group of his women followers. Many people experienced appearances of Jesus alive, and his disciples believed that he was risen from the dead, even though they didn't really have any reason in their minds to think that this was going to happen. Now, if we're on solid ground with a wide spectrum of both believers and non-believers saying that these are historical facts, that they're as sure as other historical facts, then the question arises, what is the best explanation for these four facts? So this is where you get divergence among the New Testament scholars, because of course, some are gonna say it happened in some naturally explicable way, and others are gonna say, well, obviously it was a real miracle. Jesus really rose from the dead. We just have to investigate the possible explanations here. So which one is really best able to account for all four of these? And there's a number of theories. The first one is what we would consider the obvious one that Jesus died and he really rose from the dead. This is the source of our Christian belief. This is the source of Christianity. It's what it's all built on, that Jesus overcame death. He rose bodily from the dead. He appeared to his followers. Uh, he ate with them. They touched him. He spoke with them on numerous occasions. And they all saw it. The second possible explanation is that Jesus died, but he didn't rise from the dead, and his apostles were simply deceived. That they thought they saw him risen from the dead, but it was just some mass hallucination. There was such grand expectation of this that they made themselves see it. There was some mass psychosis that made them all think that they saw what they wanted to see. The only problem with this is remember what fact four was. The disciples believe that Jesus was risen from the dead despite their having every predisposition to the contrary. Now to us, when we read the gospels, we might think it's obvious because Jesus told his apostles and other disciples many times that he was going to rise from the dead. He's like, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. But they literally had no clue what he meant. They kept wondering, what could he possibly mean by this? And remember how dejected the two disciples were on the road to Emmaus saying, ah, we thought he was the one, but they killed him. And think about how much Jesus rebuked their lack of faith on numerous occasions. So the disciples, they all fled when he was crucified, except for John, who stood at the foot of the cross. But they all fled. They were dejected. They did not know that he meant he would literally rise from the dead. And yet they all reported that he did rise from the dead and they saw him. So to have a mass hallucination or a mass psychosis 
coming from just intense expectation, you'd need to have that expectation, and they didn't have it. So the apostles being deceived, or the hallucination theory, doesn't seem very plausible. A third possible explanation that's put forward is that Jesus died, but he didn't rise from the dead, and the apostles created a conspiracy, or they lied to everyone. We kind of went over the problem with this one in the last episode when we talked about what motive the gospel writers would have for lying. What could they possibly have gained? Here we have to ask the same question. Already within the New Testament, the apostles were being persecuted by the Pharisees. St. Paul was being persecuted by the Roman authorities. So they lived very miserable lives in the sense of physical safety and comfort because of this lie. It's hard to point to anything that they possibly could have gained from it. In fact, looking at their lives after spreading the gospel of Christ's resurrection, it is an even greater proof of its truth because of what they were willing to endure to teach people about this. There's a couple other theories as well, but they're, they're so ridiculous that I just put them here because they're kind of funny. One is called the swoon theory, and it's that Jesus didn't actually die that uh, he kind of passed out due to pain or whatever, and they buried him, not knowing that he was still alive. And after enduring his brutal scourging and carrying his cross and being crucified, he was buried and then somehow rolled the stone away. And he showed up, and I'm sure he would have looked terrible, right? <laughs> he was just some guy that endured terrible suffering, but just happened to survive. He would have been staggering and bloody and hoarse and all of this. And he just showed up. And the apostles thought it was Jesus gloriously risen from the dead. It seems so implausible that it's just ridiculous. But it shows you the extent to which people go to avoid what's a more rational explanation. Another explanation which rivals this, this last one in terms of absurdity is there, uh, Jesus actually had a twin brother who left early in his life and came back around the time of Jesus' death and remove the body from the tomb and then went around parading as Jesus risen from the dead. So it's hard to believe that some people can accept these kind of explanations over the explanation of an actual resurrection. But keep in mind, to someone that absolutely precludes or excludes from the conversation the possibility of the supernatural, literally any explanation is more rational to them than admitting that uh, the supernatural can occur. So you see again the benefit of going through apologetics in order because we got to this point already having put forth demonstrations that God does exist. So if you do that first, this portion becomes a lot more acceptable to people because they, they, they can't exclude things based on the impossibility of the supernatural because you already have addressed that point in showing demonstration for God's existence. And if God exists, therefore he can intervene in history and he can perform miracles. Uh, things that are contrary to our normal experience. So the skeptic of Jesus's resurrection actually occurring in history has to come to grips with the fact that unless you are just eliminating from the conversation any possibility of the supernatural, then the obvious, most common sense, most rational explanation of the four historical facts that we listed earlier is the actual resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And there are people that can be convinced this way. In fact, Dr. William Lane Craig points to an example of one of the world's leading Jewish theologians 
taught at the Hebrew University in Israel, and he declared himself convinced on the basis of the, of the historical evidence that the God of Israel raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead. So it can be convincing. This historical argument can be convincing. And the only obstacle to belief in it is a prior ideological belief that says miracles can't happen or that God doesn't exist. And that's just not approaching the question fairly or in a rational or academic or scholarly way at all. So we've come to the point now where we've shown that God exists, very rational to believe that God exists, that he did intervene in history, and this intervention in history is presented primarily in the Gospels, or in its most striking way in the Gospels, where we have God actually entering the world, taking on human nature, and saying and teaching certain things, and that his teachings were confirmed by many miracles, the greatest of which was his historical resurrection from the dead, which seems to be on solid historical ground here. After arriving at this point, of course, there are many, many things that follow, many questions that follow, many things that need to be determined as to what constitutes Christianity. That is, after establishing that the Gospels record accurately Jesus' teachings and miracles and expectations and all of that, we look at those particular things and, and say, you know, what is Christ's teaching? What is Christianity? What do Christians believe? And are those things backed up by what Jesus actually said in the Gospels? And the most important and most basic question is, did Jesus really claim to be God? Now we saw that what he said and taught was confirmed by miracles, primarily the resurrection. But there are those who say that Jesus never claimed to be God. He was just a, um, a wise teacher, a wise man, a good moral teacher, but that the Christian community kind of has an overblown view of what Jesus actually said, and he really just came to teach, you know, to love each other, etc., etc. So we'll look into the actual specifics of the Gospels and determine some of the more important questions, such as Jesus' divinity and his claims to divinity. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. If these podcasts are helpful, please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also consider signing up or subscribing at my Patreon to get an extended weekly episode. Thank you and God bless.